Hey guys, welcome in. It is Brad with College Sportscast. Welcome to the Big Fuss Show. This is week 28 of our season two, and we have a special bracketology show for you tonight. Hang on just a second. I didn't have this pulled up. All right, here we go, guys. Attention. It's all a commotion around here. What are you talking about? Let them yap at you. It's actually very exciting. All right, guys. Welcome back. It is Brad with College Sportscast. Uh, Going to start tonight with um, on the chat room to the side here. You can support us by sending stars on Facebook. Just want to get that out there. And tonight we have 801 Bracketology with us. What's up? Hey, man. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me on. I, I appreciate your willingness to let a let a bracketologist come and chat with you. Hey, man. We love having bracketologists on our show. Actually, especially this time of year. Starting, starting in February, I really kind of get into the whole bracketology thing. I'm not quite one of those dudes that gets into it like in November or October or all that stuff. I'm really not one of those dudes, but uh, I really enjoy bracketology and talking about it kind of late in this, in the basketball season, starting in February. Um, we are a couple of days away from March now, so it's getting close. Yeah. We're coming up on tournament time. It's, it's been a fun year so far and I find myself kind of conflicted between wow, the season's gone so fast. I wish it would slow down, and yeah. oh my god, can't wait until we get to March. So I'm really looking forward to conference tournaments, some of the first round games. It's going to be a blast, is every year. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of the year, out of all the sports. This one's my favorite. It always has been since I was a little boy, um, and I always get kind of ramped up and excited about this time of year. So. 801, I don't know your real name. I don't know if you want to give your real name. I don't know if you want everybody to call you 801 Bracketology. We we always call you 801. That's what we call you. So, that's a great you know, but let's, let's stick with it. All right. I mean, that's what we call you is 801. That's what we know you by. You are part of the bracket uh, matrix. Right. And we've had a couple of other ones on the last – Two, two and a half weeks, we had T3 on with us. We had NKY on with us. So now we've got 801 with us. Hammonds decides to join me. Hammonds, just forget that game that's going on. I got it on over there, too. I it's I, I know what's going frustrating, on. Frustrating, man. It's absolutely frustrating. It I don't want to get into all that, I, you know. So, hey, they, but, they've got a second half comeback coming up. Second half comeback. Yeah, I mean, it's just the first half. We still got a half to go. Who knows? First half, they they fought and come back, but I mean, they just playing sloppy. So that's all I can say. Well, they 
they're not going to go very far with the way they're playing. It's just that's all I'm going to say. I mean, but they're playing sloppy. That's all yeah, I can say. Really. I, can say. I mean, honestly, had quite a few turnovers and and yeah. backdoor cuts, and I mean, just they're just playing sloppy. I don't know, guys. Right. They look, so they're looking like one of the hottest teams in the country. So I, I wouldn't be too, too disappointed by what's going on right now. They look really good. Yeah, I mean they've won. They they actually are the hottest team in the country in the SEC. Mississippi yeah. State. It's got five wins in a row in conference play before tonight, and that is the most wins in the SEC. So they actually are the hottest team in the SEC. All right. I didn't give you a full intro here, but I was planning on it. There you go. I got I you it. on the board now. <laughs> All right. I got you on the board now that you're here. We welcome you to the show. We'll kind of get started um, with your um, – I want to get started with your process. What 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 is key for you that you use? Each one of you bracketology guys kind of have a metric or something that's a little different than the other. What does 801 like to use um that's key for you? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. I appreciate the the question and and you're right. There is a lot of different special metrics that people use or use or things that stand out to people more. Um, ultimately, what we're all trying to do is replicate what the selection committee does when they put a field together, right? And so for every bracketologist should be asking themselves, how can I best replicate the committee? Um, and it's fun. It makes it fun, right? That there's hundreds of different bracketologists out there. There's probably a dozen to two dozen pretty good ones. Um, and we can all look at things and come up with very different uh, seed lists and, and determinations of where teams should be based on what we focus on. Right. So for me, uh, when I'm doing a bracket or when I'm, when I'm kind of organizing a seed list, what I have to do every time is I sit down, pull up the way that the committee does this and I follow it just step by step, line by line so that I'm doing the exact process that they do. I don't want to skip any steps in, in what they're doing. And, but, but it specifically, yeah, I mean, that's fair. what was that? I said, that's fair. I mean, that's, that sounds legit a way that you process that you would do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the method by which I do it. Then when you get into like the nitty gritty of, of teams and when you're comparing teams, what stands out to me more, um, I guess trying to, trying to interpret what the committee loves most in a team last year it was obviously wins on the road right they valued wins on the road over top tier teams over almost anything um it was it was like the metric that got you seed line bumps regardless of what happened in your q3 q4 if you lost some of those games so that was last year this year it seems like the balanced a little bit more where they're considering everything as a whole a little bit more, which is nice, right? That, that, that gives your Alabama Auburn, uh, kind of a bump up, uh, where, where they haven't won many key games, 
but they have metrics that put them in like top seven of the country. And so I'm glad that the committee is a little more balanced this year, in my opinion. And it makes it a little bit easier on me to look at everything as a whole and say, okay, let's balance everything and see where teams rank after that. That's good stuff. Well, let's start with your number one seeds. I mean, that's where everybody wants to know. I think the number one seeds, at least three of them are probably locked. I would think, I, I mean, that's my opinion. You tell me yours, you're the expert here, but I feel like that there's probably three of them that's locked. No, you're hundred percent right. There's, there's three teams that's that are locked into number one seed. Um, the betting odds right now on those three teams, if you had to bet on a, on them getting a number one seed, it's like 20,000. So it's a virtual lock for those three teams. Those teams are um, Purdue, Houston, and UConn, and I have them in that order right now. And then when we start talking fourth seed, it's getting a little bit more interesting. Um, a few days ago, Arizona has been Arizona has been my number my fourth number one for a couple weeks now. Um, yeah, and it, it got interesting a couple days ago because Arizona was top five in strength of record, which is one of my key metrics that I'm looking at. I think that metric is is the methodology. That metric is really good, and and I like the way that the committee uses it. So they were top five there. They've now dropped in ranked of record uh, for whatever reason, whether it was the loss at Oregon State, uh, whether it was the recent loss to Washington State. Uh, it could be a number of things. But they're, they're down to number 10 uh, in strength of record. And North Carolina, which is my top two seed, is now up to number five in strength of record. And so it's getting to be a little bit more blurred between those two teams. <laughs> I would I would throw Tennessee in there. I think Tennessee has as good of an argument as anyone. Tennessee's probably the most balanced team in terms of metrics and, and best wins. So among those three teams, I think that's who we're watching for the last number one seed to come from, and it could be any of them, in my opinion. Right. I agree with you. I think right now it is those three teams. Um, one will probably – would be a one and then the other ones will be the two seed here so we've probably already got two of your two seeds uh, where do we go from there from, from my <clears throat> my other two seeds uh, are Kansas and Marquette right now um, Kansas is kind of a weird case right they've they've had some struggles on the road and they're not in their conference um, I don't remember what their conference record on the road is now but it was like oh and six or oh and seven and now one and seven maybe um, but they haven't been awesome in conference. They've, they've won some key games, but then at the same time, when you look at their non-conference, they beat teams like, uh, UConn at home, beat Tennessee on a neutral court, beat Baylor, or, uh, that's, that's a, that's a conference game, uh, beat Kentucky on a neutral court. So they've got more key wins kind of top 20 range than almost anyone does. And so they've got a good argument. I just think some of the losses in that road conference record kind of hang them back to where they're more of a two seed than in an, in an argument for a one seed right now. Yeah, I mean, Kansas to me, um, I mean, it's tough for me to say that they deserve a two seed just because they do have so many losses in conference. It's just not normal for them, Kansas. I mean, that's just not, you know, they they normally kind of 
for, I don't know, what was it, 16 years or 14 years or something, they pretty much dominated the Big 12. Um, yeah. And it's just not normal to see them losing five, six, seven games in conference. You're right. It's it's not super normal. But, I mean, if you if you could want to get into the nitty-gritty, they've four of those losses, they've, they've lost five games in conference. Four of those losses are on the road and Q1 losses. So it, it's been demonstrated over and over this year that it is just so freaking hard to win in the Big 12 on the road. It is difficult. And Kansas has been no stranger to that, obviously. So that's what puts them in kind of the two-seed mix for me. But I 100% agree with you. They've had a, a very different type of conference season than they have in the past. Yeah. So that's my All right, so we – uh, my fourth, I don't think I mentioned my fourth number two seed. My fourth number two seed is Marquette right now. You did with Marquette. I mean, Marquette is is right up there. I kind of agree with you on that one as well. Um, so we'll get into your three seeds. I think this is where I will start maybe having some different opinions, I think. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Different opinions are, the, are what makes this whole thing work, right? So uh, three yep. seeds. <clears throat> I've got Alabama as the top three seed. Um, then I've got Baylor, Iowa State, and Duke. Um, those are my three seeds right now. The argument, I mean, I've seen a lot of the so you said social media around. Alabama, Iowa State, Baylor, and Duke. And Duke. Yeah, and Duke. Yep. I mean – Baylor's been up and down as well. Of course, they're in the Big 12, just like I was talking about with Kansas. So several of their losses are kind of in that same boat probably. But I feel like early on in the season, they had a couple of really bad losses. You're talking about Baylor? Baylor, yeah. So, yeah, they early on in the season, they got just annihilated by Michigan State on a neutral court, lost by 24 points. Yes, lost to Duke, lost to lost to. Uh, well, that, those were those were their non-conference losses. There wasn't anything terrible there. Just that that annihilation with Michigan State was surprising to say the least. Yeah, it was. I mean, they're there. I mean, I, I agree with that a little bit. Um, but I guess that would be the one team that I would look at on on your three seed line. Um, I mean, the rest of them, Iowa State, they backed it up in Big 12 play, I think. Um, now, non-conference, they, they pretty much had a cakewalk, really, Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's been fun to see kind of the conversation evolve over the year, right? They A lot of people, as they started conference, were – Iowa State was starting to get ranked as like a four seed, five seed, somewhere in that range. And people were like, hey, what the hell? Like, they played absolutely nobody in conference. But they've gone out yeah. and back with five Q1 wins in conference with several of those being on the road. And the conversation's changed, right? It's like, oh, they backed up what they what they didn't do early on. So. Yeah, you, I do, you really I do kind of want to talk about BYU at the end of the show because you're a BYU fan. So let's do it. All right. We can talk. We can talk about what we get down that far in the seed list, but well, so I'm going to move on to the four seeds. I'm not going to run through all of the seeds, but I wanted to hit the top 16. So 
we'll we'll go here to the four seeds and see where you are with your four seeds. Yeah, so my four seeds right now, I've got Creighton at the top. Uh, Creighton picked up, I think, two of the best wins that anyone picked up over the last couple of weeks. Besides, probably, yeah, and, besides, and, they, and then they kind of laid an egg against St. John's. So I yeah, mean, it's laid an egg. So. <laughs> Yeah, that that one may deserve a little bit more look at the metrics after after that. Well, to be honest, the Big East is probably the most toughest conference in the league. Every every night, somebody's going to beat somebody. Yeah, yeah, the Big Twelve and the Big East. That that league, when you look at the Big East, there's some head scratchers. Like St. John will beat Creighton by 14. UConn just lose. UConn just lose. Yeah, then they right. come back and then they whipped Villanova really good Saturday. So you're right. So yeah, there's some head scratchers in that conference, but that is probably my favorite conference in the country, if I'm being honest. And here's the reason why: is those schools don't have any sort of other sport to play for, right? They they're not big football schools. None of them have D1 football programs for the most part. Um, basketball is everything to those schools, and and it shows every night. Those fans show up. The games are intense. Um, and anybody has the ability to beat anybody in, in any given night except DePaul. DePaul can't beat anybody. Yeah. Mississippi Valley State, maybe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so that's that's my top one seed or top four seed. My others are Auburn, San Diego State, and Wisconsin right now. Uh, looks like Wisconsin, oh, they're, they're coming back, but they were laying an egg against Indiana earlier. And in that case, in Illinois would be my last four seed if, if Wisconsin lost tonight. See, I have a big issue. I don't understand the Wisconsin thing. I know they got some quality wins, but man, when you look at the last three weeks or more of their season, they lost five out of six games there at one time, you know, and right. you know, coming down the stretch, I mean, they just don't look like a top 16 team to me. And no, I know everybody right. still has them in there, but. No, that's a, that's totally fair. Uh, the counter argument I would make is, is UConn, like, right? UConn is a very mm-hmm. similar situation. And uh, I don't think Wisconsin's going to pull off and, and win a national title, but similar thing in January was, or UConn last year lost a slew of games in a row. And everyone was like, wow, this team's a fraud. And every team seems to have to go through some portion during the season where they struggle, right, in order to become a champion. Um, and I don't think Wisconsin's an exception this year. They're, they, I don't think they'll be a champion again, but uh, they did go through that kind of period in, in January where they really struggled. But that being said, they still have 12 Q1 and Q2 wins. That's more than most teams in that four to five seed range. So – that's kind of what's doing it for me right now with them. Um, but again, they lost this one tonight. I'd, I'd bump them back down. I know that's what's keeping them in there is their quad one and two wins, and they have a bunch of them. Um, I just, you know, when you when you go on runs of losses like that, it's hard not to. No, you're not anywhere. Yep. It's it's hard not to drop them. I mean, you know, a couple of seed lines just because you see what they are right now. You know what I'm saying? 
yeah, yeah, compared I agree. to what they were, you know, up through middle to the end of January. Yeah, you're right. That's kind of that's kind of what what I would say on them, but you know, I feel like your top sixteen. Do do they put out another top sixteen? Because they've done no. one a Saturday mm -hmm. before last. I think I think this week the girls do theirs. Yeah, that's right. And then I think, I think it's this weekend or something. There's there's no more before the tournament in the men's. Mm -mm. There's not just the one. Just the one. Well, and people was talking about champions. Like, look at last year. You know, UConn went through. They lost what four or five games in January, and it was just like everybody was writing them off, and they went in the tournament and and laid a haymaker on everybody. So, I mean, at one time last year, first of February, somewhere around the first of February, they were like eighteen and seven or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't real good. Yeah, it was looking good for them. Yeah. Similar situation with All Kentucky. All right, so I'm going to – yeah. I, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. I'm going to skip down to the bottom of the brackets. And the last four, last six, last eight seems to be getting pretty tight. Um, You know, what – what are you looking at? I know when you're a bracketologist, these last four in, last six in is what can make or break you. So, yeah. you know, what what are you looking at here with these tight teams? You know, you got about two and a half weeks, three weeks left before you got to make final decisions. What's going to yeah. be key for you? Yeah, good question. So um, one of the important things to remember when you're looking at a bracketologist seed list is there can be gaps between seed lists, right? People look at, I don't know, for example, one and two and two and three is if they're equal distant apart. When in all reality, Purdue has probably a huge advantage over Houston and Houston and UConn are pretty tight together. And so it, there can be discrepancies, just gaps between teams and seed lists. And I think right now it's pretty clear on the bubble that there is a big gap between teams that are in and teams that are out. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's relatively close, honestly. So uh, the last eight teams that I have in right now, <clears throat> so my 10 seeds right now are Wake Forest, Texas, Virginia, and Nevada. And then my last four teams in are Seton Hall, Providence, Gonzaga, and New Mexico after that horrific loss this weekend. Yeah, New Mexico seems to be going the same direction they did last year towards late yep, in the they, season. You're right. Um, but you asked what I'm looking for with those teams as it comes down to the to the end of this. Um, there was, I don't know, kind of a, a thought process among bracketologists in the past that when you get down here in these seed lines, the committee is really looking at who has the best resume, who's done the most, rather than looking at – like predictive metrics, for example, to see maybe there's a team with really good predictive metrics metrics that, that deserves to be in. Um, but the committee kind of dispelled that a couple of years ago and said, no, 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 we look at everything. We don't just look at resume. But in my opinion, um, when I'm looking at these, I really like looking at the resumes and saying, okay, let's see who has the best strength of record, who has the most Q1 wins. Are there teams that have won on the road a lot? Um, 
and and I line them all up, line all the bubble teams up and compare them to each other. And usually the first couple are pretty easy. And I'm like, yeah, that team's in that. Yeah, that team's in. And then it gets a little bit more difficult as I get down comparing other teams. Um, but right now it's, it feels pretty clear to me that those are the teams that be deserve to be in. So I'm going to guess, since you told me those are your last eight teams, that you have Texas A&M and Ole Miss out of the SEC. You're right. I sure do. Uh, th those both are in my first four teams out right now. They both are? Well, yeah. Texas A&M, interesting enough, when I looked at the bracket uh, matrix today, out of 107 um, of you guys that – had been updated as of yesterday. Texas A&M was listed as the last one in, yeah. and they are only on 27 out of 107 brackets. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yep, 27 out of 107, and they were listed as the last spot in. So this is this is a weird team this year, right? This is almost unprecedented. You don't see many teams like this often. Uh, A&M's got wins over Tennessee, Iowa State on a neutral court, which has just looked better and better and better all year. Kentucky, Florida um, on the road against SMU, who's been a metric kind of darling. Uh, but then the losses, man, are brutal. They're brutal. Um, they are close to having five Q3 losses if Arkansas was to drop a few more. Well, the Vandy, the Vandy loss is brutal. That one is awful. Yeah, yeah. The Vandy loss. Well, Arkansas loss is brutal too. Yeah, you're right about that. That one's brutal too. But the Vandy loss is really brutal. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, uh, lost I mean, to Vandy by Arkansas too. By the way, they lost both to Arkansas. That is that is awful. Not good. And that's why it's hard for me. I, I was actually surprised. The reason why I'm asking you this is I was actually surprised to see that they still had the last spot in, to be honest. Yeah. I figured they would be I, – I figured they'd be five, six spots down. But when I looked at it this morning, they were the last spot in, and I was actually a little bit surprised by that. So it would be an interesting thought exercise to compare Texas A&M and Butler, right, for example, because those two teams have a similar record somewhere around the 15 and 12 range. Um, both have played top 10 schedules. Both have played a, sh a crap ton of Q1 games. Um, but when I'm thinking about it, Q uh, Texas A&M has six Q1 wins and four Q3 losses, almost five. Butler has no bad losses. Um but they've only got four Q1 wins. And so I, for me, if I had to if I had to pick a team to be in today between those two, it would be Butler, right? They've, they've played a tougher schedule. They've won. Um, they haven't won as many big games, but they have no bad losses, no no blemishes on the resume right now. So that would be an interesting and That kind, of, that kind yeah. of makes sense to me, really. So I just wanted to ask you about them because I was a little surprised by that, seeing yeah. that today. So who else is in your last four out? My first four out, uh, I've got uh, first four out. Yeah. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, uh, Colorado, and Utah right now. So two SEC teams, two Pac-12 teams. Okay. And then your next four out, what do they look like? 
you're going to make me dig in my brain. I'm trying to remember. I just did this like an hour ago, so I should know. Uh, but I've got <laughs> Butler. I've got Butler down in there. Um, I've got Pitt down in there who, who was beating Clemson earlier tonight. I don't know if they still are or not. But if they were to win that one on the road, that would be big for them. Um, I also have – I can't remember if I have Kansas State in there, but uh, those are some of the teams that I've got down in that range. All right. Well, so starting, I guess it's, is it this weekend? Some of the smaller conferences start? Yeah, starting on Monday next week, March 4th. Monday? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, usually when you get the um, smaller conferences start, um, for about the next six, eight days, somewhere in that range, you might get a few bid stealers. And I was just, while we got you on tonight, I thought maybe we might talk a little bit about some bid stealers, what conferences. Actually, that actually on Monday night, I think it's the A-Sun, if I'm not mistaken. You're right, yep, Monday night. It's the I think it's the A-Sun that plays. Um, yeah. So. I will say this on the bid stealer thing. Um, I know I'll probably get wrapped on this, but um, I think UNLV is a team to watch. Um, I know that they UNLV has, I think they're the host for the Mountain West. Um, they get the they get to play at home. That's the Mountain first West tournament. Um, they haven't really done well the last couple of years, but not saying that. You know, they've lost some games and they've won a few games that really their talent level's there, but it's just they don't play consistent 20, 20 you know, every single week. And that's the thing that that worries me about UNLV in that regard. Yeah, I agree with you. So yeah, UNLV would be a team to watch for sure. Um, a few other conferences that I would say to watch. Let me give you some conferences. The Pac twelve is is definitely high on my list watching for a bid stealer um that one arizona's a shoe in right washington state's a shoe in but nobody else is is really a shoe in at this point and so there's some teams there that could right. go out win the conference ucla is one of them ucla's played somewhat well lately oregon who's probably not not probably kind of eliminated for an at-large bid at this point but but i got a question though like from your bracketology standpoint like so, you know, South Florida got ranked this week, right? Um, I yeah. think 25th. So what happens if they don't – if they keep winning but they don't win in the conference tournament and they're still ranked? Like, do they get in or how does that work? Like, <laughs> No, they won't get in. They, they don't have a resume that's nearly good enough to get I, I know that. I'm just saying usually yeah. a ranked team would get into the tournament. Like. Right. So that's, that's the, one of the problems, right? What's going to happen there is if they keep winning, they're going to get to be ranked like 20th in the AP poll – with no Q1 wins and a slew of bad losses, and come the come the selection Sunday, they're not going to get picked to make the tournament. And you're going to hear people griping about how a ranked team didn't make the tournament. When in reality, that has nothing to do with anything. So no, it's that's good. that's what it what was it, a couple of years back. Well, no, it was back when Seth Greenberg was the coach at Virginia Tech. They had like four. Um, R, well, back then it was the RPI. It was a lot different then, but yeah. they had four top 50 RPI wins and they didn't even make the tournament. Um, and everybody was, 
going overboard or why they didn't make BYU was like that. What was it, a couple years back? Maybe they, I think BYU had a year where they were supposed to get in and didn't get in. There was St. Mary's actually that, that was a few years ago. They it were might have been St. Mary. It was St. Mary's, yeah. I think 20 Everybody's complaining why. Yep. So. No, good call. So Pac-12 is one I'd watch for. Watch the A-10. I, I don't think Dayton's going to win that tournament. I think there's going to be a bit stealer there. Some options there. Loyal Chicago is looking really good right now, although they're they're kind of getting blasted tonight. Um, Richmond could be a bid stealer there. Uh, they're kind of baked in as a bid stealer right now because they're winning the conference. Um, but those are Bonaventure is a really good team too when they want to play. Yeah, right, you're right. St. Bonaventure. Sure, same thing. Does Does Dayton have a good enough resume to get in if they don't win the A10? Yeah, but easily, easily they have a really good resume. Okay. I haven't looked at their resume, so I really don't know the answer to that. I just thought I'd ask. Dayton's probably a five or six seed right now, so I think they're pretty safe. They're almost they're kind of a lock at this point for me. All right, I got you. I just haven't really looked at their resume, so I didn't know the answer to that. That's fair. I feel like the AAC is probably a good conference to the pick that could be a bid stealer. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good one to watch. Those I mean, there's are those several teams in the AAC. A Memphis, team that really, South Florida, a team that Charlotte, a team that really. We talked about them earlier. A team that really gives me the jivies is back and forth is Seton Hall. Like, and I know this ain't on part of the bid stealing thing, but. Seton Hall to me, man, like one week they'll win a couple games, then the next week I don't I, I don't know how you judge them, but I know that's kind of off topic, but no, um, you're they're kind of hard to judge right now. Well, and they're a really good team, but their offense, the offense of the way they play offense is they play really great defense, but their offense is ugly to watch at times. Yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. And by the way, Kentucky just cut it to two. Very nice. So maybe they can get back in here. So, Did you boys see what's going on in the Wisconsin Indiana game? Um, it's tied, but they it's just delayed pulled, right now. Yeah, they just delayed the game for a tornado warning and pulled players off. Yeah, it's fifty-four all right now. That's pretty wild. Um, I will say this: for tornado I'll tell you another team that I'll tell you another team that's a bitch stealing team is UMass. Um. I like, I like this UMass team. They got a really fun team. Um, but the problem with UMass, though, is they're too inconsistent at times. Um, you know, they – Frank Martin's a really good coach. Um, I thought he'd done a good job at South Carolina, which uh, Lamont Paris went and um, he's got them playing really well right now, which they got a big game with A&M tomorrow night. So, um, you think A&M could be a big stealer? Like, if they continue to lose their games and – have to win out to win the tournament? Um, I don't know. That's a good question, John. I, I guess I could see it, right? If they lost out in the regular season and then won the conference tournament, maybe. But but I almost want to say I don't think they're going to lose out in the regular season, and that would make them probably not a bid sealer. They'd probably get enough wins to get in for an at-large, even if they won, even if they lost the conference tournament. So. Any other conferences you think that we might see some bid stealers in? 
We didn't have any bid stealers last year, which was oh, kind of unheard of. I mean, usually we have a couple of two or three. Yeah, I was I was gonna say the the Missouri Valley Conference, but Indiana State's kind of dropped off. Drake just lost a big game, so I don't. I think they're getting one bid. I don't think there's a bid stealer there. Um, West Coast Conference, maybe if someone can upset Gonzaga and St. Mary's, but I kind of doubt that. Uh, yeah, I mean San Francisco possibly could maybe um, out there. Santa Clara would have a outside shot, but. It's kind of doubtful, but I, I get, if I had to pick a team out there in the West Coast, I would probably pick San Francisco. They could probably do it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if there's any others, you know, talking about some of these bid stealers. It's always fun to talk about. It's uh, – it's usually it's usually something that happens, and like I said last year, it did not happen. We had zero bid stealers. It kind of went chalk um, through the main conference tournaments. You know, nobody like Vanderbilt didn't come back and win the SEC tournament last year. Got close, but you know, interesting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I I, I think it's going to be different this year, but. Who knows? Maybe we end up with zero bid stealers again. The thing about bid stealers, I tell people all the time, um, we haven't really had it a lot in the last couple of years. It's been kind of quiet, but it's that time of year again where everything just goes to crap and everybody starts winning games. Like, And that's what I feel is going to happen in March. Well, the, the little – Conference to pay attention to. I mean, what is it now? They go into these conference tournaments and they know that, like, that's their only shot is to play out of their head. And sometimes you get somebody that just plays way beyond what they're really capable of and comes through and, and wins one of these tournaments. It happens. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's one of the funnest parts of March, right? That's it's fun to watch those teams that have not played well all year figure it out, get it together, rattle off three or four wins in a row, and and you know live the dream that they've always wanted to live. I like it. Right. All right, eight hundred one. I know you're a BYU fan. I've got to give you a little bit of prop right here to uh, talk about the Cougars. Um, I'll start it out with, I love your head coach. I'm sure you know why I say that I love your head coach. Um, got to give a shout out and I've been doing this all year. This is not just because you're on the show. I've been talking about Mark Pope and the job that he has done at BYU, not just this year, um, for the last several years, I feel like Mark Pope has done a really good job out there. What do you like? about the job that he's done. Well, let me tell you what I love about what he's done is is last year he had a kind of the realization that that the team that he had built was not going to go anywhere. It was not going to make the tournament. And so before last season started, he kind of tore it down to the studs. He took a couple guys from the transfer portal, but they didn't they didn't play a ton and they didn't contribute a lot. And he 
let these young guys go and play last year. And it was a disappointment of a season. They didn't play great, but they built that chemistry to the point where the, when they came back this year, they were ready to roll. And uh, there's not many college coaches that would be willing to do that in this day and age where you have the transfer portal. Everyone's trying to go out and build a team for this year to win this year. And there's, there's not many people that would be willing to tear it back to the studs to try and build the team up. And he's done that in a very successful way. So uh, props to him. Cougars play. Um, I, I like their resume. I don't love their resume, but uh, things are looking good for them for getting a bid, at least. Yeah, I think they're in the maybe the six or seven range seed-wise right now. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's kind of what I would say for them. Yeah, I mean, they had a tough loss over the weekend. Go ahead, Brad. Where where exactly are they, 801, right now in the Big 12? What's their record in the Big 12? They're 7-7 seven and seven in the Big 12, um, which, I mean, when you look at it, I, I don't remember the specific stat, but they're – in the last several years, if a team goes 500 in the Big 12, it's almost a guarantee that they make the tournament. So if you can fi- finish 500 in the Big 12, you're in, essentially. Um, and obviously, they don't look at right. conference records, things like that. But but it, what that's saying is if you're 500 in the Big 12, you probably have enough good wins to get you into the tournament. So that's kind of where right where BYU right. sitting there. Eighth in the Big 10 or in the Big 12 uh, standings at 7-7. Seven they're playing Kansas right now on the road. They've played them in a, in a – it's been a close game so far, but it looks like Kansas might be breaking away a little bit. So we'll, we'll see. Let's see what happens. Well, I mean, this is their first year in the Big 12. Um, so, you know, they, they left the they, Mountain West last year, right? Right. Or the, yeah. the West. Yeah, so, you know, they moved up power conference-wise – and to go into the Big 12 and kind of hang in that middle ground where they where they are, I feel like it's a pretty good first season probably for them. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Excuse me. I've had a little bit of a You're cough good. and cold lately. John, what was your question on BYU? Oh, I was just wanting to discuss with them. Um, gotcha. The I, just, I, I just felt like they deserved a little love. I mean, they had – there's a couple of games there where they just lost some weird games, like Oklahoma State. Um, what was the other game? Um, the, the State this weekend on the road. UC, they didn't lose to UCF, did they? No, they beat UCF twice. No, they beat UCF. It was some, I think it was this weekend. Well, they yeah. just had a couple of games in a row lost and – kind of felt like that they kind of was doing really well and then they just kind of fell off a little bit. But I think they'll be fine. Um, they got a good offense. They got a fun team to watch. Um, you know, I don't really know much about them. Um, I do know that they got a lot of gu- good guard play. Um, and I think, you know, like everybody always says in tournament, guard play takes you pretty far. And um, there's a chance that, if BYU gets a decent bracket, decent um, draw, there's a good chance they could go to Sweet 16. Um, 
Just depends on. I've where watched they, them play a couple of times, two or three times. Depends on where they're settled at. I've watched them play about three times. From what I can tell, I mean they they have some big guys that can step out and shoot as well. They do. Um, yeah. And another question, real quick: like, are they the type of team? Because I watched them against Oklahoma State. Are they the type of team that if they get down like? 12, 14 points, they have a hard time coming back um, because I watched a couple of games where they just. Yeah, um, they so they played NC State earlier this year, and, and that was a game they were down by 20 and won the game. Uh, there's, But what I'll say in that sense is that BYU is a live and die by the three team, right? So there, there's been a couple of games now where they're, they're hucking up 45 threes in the game and they're making 10 of them and that's they're shooting what 18 percent from three and just keep throwing them up and those are the games that they're going to lose 100 percent of the time is you don't you don't win games by missing threes and shooting a, a crap ton of them so so that's kind of their their weak spot well you could say the same about kentucky they they honk they honk a lot of threes that like you could say about a lot of teams alabama um teams that shoot the three quite a bit yeah, so look at, looking at BYU right now, they're playing Kansas. They've already shot 17 threes in the game. There's three minutes left in the first half. Kansas has shot five. So BYU is that team that's just going to sit back and chuck up threes in your face all night, and whether they make them or not, they're going to keep shooting them. Yeah. Alabama has been known to shoot like 41, 45 in a game this, you know, right in a game a couple of times this year or so. I mean, there are teams that put them up, that's for sure. Um, yep. I know this is not bracketology, but I wanted to ask you this question while you were on the show with us. This is something that's a hot topic that's come, that has happened since the weekend, over the weekend, Kyle Filipowski trying to get off the floor in a court storm, got hurt, had to be helped off the floor, um, and there's been – quite a bit of issues and people talking, coaches talking, media talking about how to put an end to court storming. And we've already done a topic or two on this show about that topic. I wanted to ask you, 801, is this a bigger deal just because we're talking about Duke? Um, I don't think it's a, bigger deal that because we're talking about Duke, I think it's getting more attention because we're talking about Duke, but I think it was a big deal to begin with. Like this is not something that should be happening in my opinion. It's, it's, it's messed up the way that it's currently going. And I mean, you look at any other sport is where's name me another sport besides college football, where you've got fans rushing at players on the field. It's, it's ridiculous in my opinion. You so they've don't. got, Except for the college football and basketball. That's it, really. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I a big fan of court storming, honestly. I love the experience. I've done it myself at, at BYU. I did it when we beat Mississippi State in football a few years ago. Um, I I don't know. I'm a big fan. Uh, but we've got to figure out a better way to control this. Like, we can't have athletes getting hurt. And I, it's, it's just not okay the way that it's currently gone. So I love some of the ideas that have been bounced around about, you know, added security where they uh, allow the, the opposing team to leave the floor, count down the shot clock from 30. When it hits zero, everyone's okay to run the, rush the court. That's whatever. It's great. Figure out a way to make it happen. Right. 
make it. I mean, safe. there are definitely ways that you can go about it. I mean, as far as making them pause for a minute or 90 seconds or whatever, let the other teams get off the floor. I mean, there are different, definite things that you can do. I just, so New Mexico lost a terrible game in the pit over the weekend. Would have gotten and had to be hurt and, and got hurt and had to be helped off the floor. Would we be, would we even be talking, would the national media be talking about this issue? Can I say something real quick on this? Yep, um, me and 801, we always have a little back-and-back back troll jabs at each other because we like to pick at each other. But um, on this torch dormant thing, I don't think it's necessarily the whole Duke situation because this was happening before Duke. Um, you know, you had the Caitlin Clark situation. Um, you've had a couple other situations. That helped when that started it. But well, I think to pick players. played a big role. I think the best way to negate this is – me and my dad was talking about this today. The whole Creighton situation, the way they handled things, um, the way they had things blocked off, had the – had the um, I guess the, the benches blocked off where nobody could, you know, get into the players and such. Um, I think that's the way you're going to have to go about it now. Um, you're going to have to, you know, have extra security because it's going to reach a point, and this is this is like a really big point that I was wanting to bring out in this that eventually a player is going to get hit, and he's going to knock somebody back. He's going to he's going to hit back. And when you have that happen, there's going to be a lawsuit because a fan's going to go and say, you know what, that player hit me, and it's going to cause a big logistics problem within the programs and stuff. And and you even seen it in football. Look at the Alabama-Tennessee game last year. Was it? No, year before last. Um, when year before last. Burton, yeah. When Burton pushed – was it a girl or a guy? I can't remember. It was a girl, I think. Um, I think it was a girl. Cleared, I yeah. Just cleared her right out, like during a during a court storm. I think some yeah. fans are great when it comes to these things, but you you got some hotheads when it comes to these things, like the whole Notre Dame situation with Sam Hartman. Um, you have that situation that happened. Was it that was this year? I think. Yeah. Um, where he got up in Sam Hartman's face and started. Eventually, a player that happens, he's going a player is going to hit a guy. And it's going to cause all kinds of problems. And when it does, it might be the end of the court storming situation. I just yeah, want eight hundred one. My question: If it was if it was New Mexico, and it happened at the pit, would the national media media be jumping on this like they have been the last two or three days? I know some guys that would for sure. I don't think it would be as much. Um, so it wouldn't be def it definitely wouldn't be getting the attention, but it, it would be talked about. All right, so I, I'm gonna put something up here. This is just a joke, people. I just want to say this. But here you go, guys. My joke of the day on the court storming idea. I as soon as I get this thing. 
Hang on a minute. Hey, how about those Wildcats, John? They they might not win, but they're fighting. They're fighting tonight. That's all I can. That's all you can ask. They are. Joke my of the day. Joke there's of the no day. Rink. There Oh god. My my joke of the day. There's no <laughs> rink storming in hockey. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're right about that. You're right about that. I, I'm just saying, y'all. There's no rink storming that happens in hockey. And there's a reason why that that doesn't happen. There happens to be a glass wall. You can't get around the glass wall. Yeah. That's a joke. That's funny. <laughs> I had to bring that up. Somebody else made a joke about that earlier today. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, 801, it's been great. You uh, have been great on the show tonight. We appreciate you coming. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Man. Last thing that I'll bring up is UMass yesterday said they're going to leave the A10 and join the MAC starting in 2526. And then today, I happen to live about 20 minutes from that's... Western Kentucky. From Western Kentucky University, and there is some rumors that Western Kentucky University might be next to join the MAC. Um, UMass puts them at 13 teams, so they're looking for at least one more. And Western almost joined them in 21 um, and was passed over. So a lot of people are talking, thinking that maybe WKU will be the next team added in the MAC. So I wanted to get your opinions on those real quick. Yeah, that'd be great. I uh, I just I was just in Kentucky actually last week or uh, yeah last week and just made I made the drive from Nashville up to Louisville and drove right through uh, Western Kentucky University. Um, wonderful spot by the way. It's a beautiful area. Uh, but I think they'd be a great addition to the MAC. That that conference is is a lot of fun with with some of those top tier teams in Akron and Toledo, and I think adding Western Kentucky will would make a a, a good addition to that. Um, UMass, I'm not entirely sure about if they're going to make it more competitive or if they're just going to be kind of a dead body in the in the MAC. But but we'll see. Who knows? I'm 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 pretty interested to see who the A10 is going to go after now. Um, there's some good options for them in terms of who they could target. I just got to I just got to say something real quick. T uh, start sorry, call you T. Eight oh one. You ready for it? Yeah, let's hear it. Hell, Utah. You know what? <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. All hey, right, guys. This I'm, has I'm, been. I don't get in trouble for that tonight. So. <laughs> this has been eight oh one with us tonight. He is part of the bracket matrix um, that that I've been advertising and and making some posts about, especially in the month of February here. Um. We love talking bracketology here this time of year. I know that you're going to be very, very busy the next three weeks and trying to win the bracket matrix. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good Have night. A good I appreciate you being with us. Thanks, y'all, for having me on. Go Cats.
Appreciate it, man. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you, man. So we're still. All right, John, we can wrap this up. Yeah, there's like a minute and something left, so we can wrap the show up and watch the end of the show. Hope you guys have enjoyed our show. Um, Our next show will be Friday night. We'll do our game day pick them. Kentucky just played. They've just fought this game, man. This is one – if they yeah. hold on to win this, it's going to be one heck of a basketball win. Well, they're up three with a minute and nine – minute and something. They're up five. Up, up five. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, five. Now they're going to be up six with a minute so, nine to go. All right. Y'all have a good night. Have a good one. Go Cats. Go Cats. Y'all have a good night.